fruit and vegetables and we were eating good. And now all we have is manna. God doesn't love us anymore. He doesn't care for us. So Moses starts to pray and talk to God for the people. And he says, uh, God, my, the people, they're, they're complaining. They want some meat to eat. And God said that, well, being that they're complaining so much, I'm going to give them meat not just for a day or two days, but for a whole month. And they're going to eat it so much that it's going to come out of their nostrils that it will be loathsome to them. And Moses said to God, do I have to kill the herds and the flocks, or do we need to fish all the fish out of the sea so that we can suffice the people? And God said, when God replied to him, he said, has the Lord's hand waxed short? I just want to encourage somebody tonight that the Lord's hand has not waxed short. He's done it before, and He can do it again. Whatever that need is that you came here tonight with, God is able to meet it in a Wednesday night service. If you'll just open your heart up and allow Him to bless you tonight, He's more than able to do it. If you would, let's stand tonight and go to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord to anoint us together. Father, we love you this tonight, and we're so thankful for your presence, God. God, we ask that you just come down and be with us, God, in a mighty way, Lord. The needs that are represented in this building, God, you know the need in every one. We ask that you just come down and help us today, Lord God. Anoint the singing, anoint the preaching, and move in these altars, God. And we'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor and the glory for it all. It's in your lovely name we pray. Amen. song we could ever sing oh worthy of every praise we could ever bring oh worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you we live for you the name above every other name oh jesus the only one who could ever save worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you
say amen tonight. Praise the Lord. The man of God preached Sunday morning 
that Jesus is our absolute. If you believe that, say amen. Now, we're going to have a, a big choir tonight because everybody's in the choir. We're going to have congregational. Amen. Sister Tish, she's not well. Sister Karen's not able to lead the choir tonight. Sister Yvonne's homesick. Brother Jeff is homesick. Uh, Sister Rebecca Sullivan is uh, back in the hospital going in for, I think, maybe the sixth surgery uh, with this that started out with the flu, and we're hoping and praying that we'll, we'll get her straightened out after this. It's certainly been a long battle for her, so I want to remember all of these that are sick in body tonight. Amen. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm glad to be in God's house tonight. Amen. We had a good prayer meeting last night. Sweet spirit in the prayer meeting. And I've been looking forward from prayer meeting until now to get in this house and worship God. Amen. God's a good God. That doesn't change. No matter what you deal with or what you face, God's a good God and he's worthy of our praise. Amen. Let's sing a new one tonight. Let's do I've Found the Way. Can you do that? Help me with it. Now tell me what page that is. 314. Brother Roger requested that one tonight. Amen. Glad to have Brother Johnny back. Fought his way back from the reaper. Amen. Glad to have him back in church. Ask him that bass was all right. I didn't know if I tore it up playing it Sunday night or not. Amen. Found a way. I have found the way that leads to endless day. Yonder in the glory land. And the road is bright. For Jesus is the light, and I hold his guiding hand. Sing it with us. And I have found the way. Oh, yes, I have found the way. is so near, I will bravely meet the foe, happy songs I'll sing in honor to the King, and the glory onward go, and I have found the way, oh church I have found the way, oh glory, hallelujah, thank God I Course again. journey's in, led by a faithful friend, evermore in sin to roam. By the way called straight, I'll reach the golden gate of the soul's eternal home. Oh yes, I have found the way, and I have found the way. Faithful friend, evermore 
in sin to roam. And by the way, he called straight. I'll reach the golden gate of the soul's eternal home. Oh, yes, I have found the way. Oh, church, I have found the way. Oh, glory, hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord tonight. Aren't you glad you found the way? Paige, he set me free on it. 235. Amen. I'm going to take care of the congregationals tonight. Brother Roger's going to sing for the offering. How's that? Amen. Page 235 in your hymnal. Page 235. How many's glad you're free tonight? Amen. Once like a bird in prison I dwelt No freedom from my sorrow I felt But Jesus came, thank God, listen to me And glory to God, he set me free Oh, he set me free, yes, he set me free And he broke the bonds of prison for me Oh, I'm glory-bound by Jesus to see. For glory to God, he set me free. Oh, he set me free. Yes, he set me Yes, he did. He broke the bonds. He broke the bonds of prison for me. And I'm glory-bound by Jesus to see. For glory to God, he set me free. Now I'm a-climbing Irish day. Darkness of the night has drifted away, and my feet are planted on higher ground. And glory to God, church, I'm homeward bound. He set me free, yes, he set me free, and he broke the bonds of prison for me. Oh, I'm glory bound by Jesus to see, for glory to God, he set me free. Free, and he broke the bonds of prison for me. Oh, I'm glory bound by Jesus to see. For glory to God, he set me free. He set me free. Thank God, he set me free. He broke the bonds of prison for me. Oh, I'm glory bound by Jesus to see. For glory to God, he set me free. Goodbye to sin and things that confound. Thought of this world shall turn me around. Daily I'm working, I'm praying to, and glory to God. I'm going through, listen, oh, goodbye. How many told sin goodbye? Amen, you're saved and you know it, say amen. Washed in the blood, Jesus said, Rejoice, because your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. Praise God. My name's in the book. Listen. Oh, goodbye to sin and things that confound. Thought of this world shall turn me around. Daily I'm working, I'm praying to, and glory to God. I'm going through. He set me free. Yes, he set me free. And he broke the bonds of prison for me. Oh, I'm glory bound, my Jesus. 
free and you know it, say praise the Lord tonight. Amen. I'm going to come to you this evening with a special offering, and uh, we were going to take an offering, I guess this last Sunday for Brother Sullivan, we've received one offering, I'm going to be sending, taking him $1,000 from the church when I go preach his pastor's appreciation the 26th of this month, and I want to get another offering for him between now and then, but we have a more uh, immediate local Emergency, as some of you may be aware of the situation with Brother uh, Pastor Music in Baldwin. Uh, he's back to having to stay uh, in a hotel. And our district uh, pastors, which I think we have about 16 churches on the district that we're on, uh, the district church being 103rd Street Church of God. And as a matter of fact, we're either the largest district or the second largest district in the state of Florida in the Church of God. And so uh, the churches have... Uh, given toward this, uh, but um, we're kind of back to where we were in that they're going to stay in the hotel until the 27th of, uh, if I got that right, 27th or 24th of this month, and the cost is going to be $1,700. Pastor Roden let me know about this uh, yesterday, and I said, well, we'll come to the church tonight, and, and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll present that, and we'll give toward that need. Amen. Uh, Brother Music, as you know, came to the Baldwin Church of God after Brother Anderson, who's past, pastored there uh, 29 years, uh, passed away suddenly. And Sister Anderson held that together until Brother Music was able to come, but he, he kind of came on a wing in a prayer, and they have no parsonage, and so he's uh, trying to work and, and was wound up having to live at the church, uh, uh, sleeping on the pews at night, him and his wife and uh, two teenagers a teenage son, and a teenage daughter. So they're kind of back in that situation, and they're working on getting the loan approved, and it should be approved. And when it gets approved, they're going to move a mobile home in on the property. Uh, but that's not going to happen. They're not going to be able to change anything as it is until uh, the 24th of May. So uh, the, the, the cost is going to be $1,700. Now, we're not the only church, but I'm not depending on any, anybody else. I'm not, you know, we're just going to give. And it's given unto the Lord, and we know, and you've heard me say this every Sunday, that when you give and the giving's right and with the right heart, you can't outgive God. Amen. So, and it's like I told the district pastor, it wouldn't matter who this is, when there's a need like that, you, you, you see the needs, you meet the need if you can. And so tonight I'm coming to you on this Wednesday night as our ushers are coming around, and I'm asking you to give as given unto the Lord, and that's what you're doing. Amen. Jesus said, if you do it unto these... The least of these, you've done it unto me. We give to a legitimate need from a heart of love. We become the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen. He's going to bless the giver and the gift. And so let's reach out to the Baldwin Church of God and that pastor with this offering tonight. Brother Buddy, pray us in the good offering, Buddy.
Amen. Worship. May the Lord bless you as you give tonight. Sister Ashley tonight.
Praise the Lord. Amen. He's enough. Praise the Lord. Stand with me tonight and turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter number 11. The Gospel of John, chapter number 11. I'm turning with you because I deleted my scripture. Amen. While you're turning tonight, or while we're turning to John chapter 11, there's some great things that are happening around the world in ministry. God is moving, and there's some very real battles that are being fought. I talked to the prayer meeting crowd briefly after prayer meeting last night about some of that, and I won't try to go into that uh, again tonight, but be praying for all the ministries that you and I are involved in and that we're connected with. We, I think we just graduated over uh, 150 uh, in, in, through Global Fire throughout India. Uh, I know we just graduated in Pakistan within the last few months, 150 students, and we planted nine new churches. Brother Emmanuel is on his way back to Bangkok, Thailand now to run the second half of the School of Christ curriculum and graduate our school in Thailand. Uh, Vietnam, uh, we've got our fifth class in the making, and the enemy is fighting that fifth class uh, through social media and just all kind of stuff that the devil's trying to stir up because that's what he does. He's a devil. That's his job. And we ought to expect that. Amen. But I want you to help me pray that God would give us victory and give us favor over there with the people so we can reach our target group, which is consists of young men and women who feel the call to ministry and so many other things. We have wonderful things coming to the Caribbean region. I'll be uh, flying out uh, Monday morning to Kingston, Jamaica, and then I'll leave Kingston, go to Antigua, and then from Antigua, I'll go to the island of Barbuda, and if you remember, the island of Barbuda was completely wiped out by Hurricane Irma, then Maria came through, and of course, Antigua suffered a lot of damage as well, but for the first time in 300 years, there was not a single human being left on the island of Barbuda. They all had to evacuate. Now we have about 1,600 that have made it back in in the church, and the church of God is just in, in a lot of trouble there, and we're going uh, to look at it this week in, and Antigua and map out a strategy and how to bring uh, everything back, and we just need the help of the Lord. We have a lot. We've done a lot. We have a lot to do, and it's, it's all a miracle. If you look back over just the last six months at what God has done through the ministry and connections from this church, it's truly a miracle of God. And I told the prayer meeting last night, that's why you fight hell. That's why you fight the devil. He, he cannot let you go unchecked. He can't afford to do that. And then I think this coming Wednesday, Brother Charles and some are leaving to go to Ecuador and visit there with Brother Mendoza, Sister Mendoza. And so let's remember them in prayer. Brother Roger is headed out to Trinidad in a few weeks. I thought I might try to go with him, but I don't think I've got time to make that trip. Uh, but so just so much going on, good stuff. Amen. So we're, we're on the winning side. Remember that. Amen. John chapter 11 and verse number 1. John 11 and verse number 1. The Bible said, Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord, or it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment, wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. And therefore his sisters sent unto, the, sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. 
when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. And then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in a day? If any man walk in the day, stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he. After that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of his sleep. I want to read verse number 44 before we pray for the message tonight. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, or unto them, loose him and let him go. Before we pray for the message tonight, I do have another prayer request, and it's so important. I preached for a pastor down in South Florida, two revivals, a very good man. We had good meetings there, and he has since retired from the ministry, and for reasons that no one understands except for the fact that he had had a bout with depression, uh, he took his own life this last Monday. His family is devastated, and I told our crowd last night that's happening way too much among ministers and pastors across this nation. It is an all-out all assault uh, of, of the kingdom of hell against the work of ministry and against God's men. So I want you to remember that family in your prayers. That's the Motes family. Amen. And as we pray here tonight, let us pray. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you, God, for this wonderful opportunity. You've given us yet again to gather the middle of the week and worship you. I pray tonight, Lord, for the Motes family, and I lift up all of those in our church family here locally that are sick in body for Sister Rebecca and the others, and I pray, God, that you would send healing to them, raise them up in the name of Jesus. Anoint me now to preach this word, and we'll praise you for it all in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen, and amen. You might be seated. I've always loved the story of Lazarus. Lazarus and his situation and his condition and his resurrection is powerful in part because it reminds us that it's not over until God says it's over. It reminds us that God can do anything. It reminds us that God works in the dark. It reminds us that man's impossibilities are God's opportunities. And it reminds us that to see the miraculous, you have to face the impossible because miracles take place on the other side of possibility. It teaches us that God is not glorified by our sickness and our disease, but he is rather glorified by our deliverance, our healing, and our salvation. And so in our story tonight, in the text that we read, word comes to Jesus that Lazarus is sick. But the Bible tells us that Jesus waited two days to respond. 
Now, it could have just as easily been 12 years like the woman with the issue of blood or 38 years like the man at the pool of Bethesda. The point is it doesn't matter how long, how wrong, how strong the condition. It's all the same to Jesus. The same power that heals what may be considered a minor affliction is the same power that drives cancer out of a body. The same power that heals cancer is the same power that casts out devils. It's all the same to Jesus. And so after two days, Jesus says to the disciples, let's go and wake Lazarus up. Now you notice here that Jesus never refers to Lazarus as being dead. He simply says he's asleep and I'm going to wake him up. Because as far as God is concerned, there's no difference in waking a man up from sleep or raising a man up from the dead. Another thing this story shows us is that it's never too late. So whatever situation, as we identify tonight, as we look at the story of Lazarus and what seems to be an impossibility, and then we look at our own lives and what we face, in our minds or in our bodies or in our families or in, even in our walk with God or in our ministries, we have to understand that with God, it's never too late. And sometimes that's the only thing we, we can really get a hold of. And I've been preaching for the last little while and coming back to the theme, it seems like, of being overcome and overwhelmed and coming to a place to where it, it even gets hard to pray. But we have to come to the place that no matter what we're facing or what we're going through or what we do or don't understand about it all, we just establish in our heart and in our mind that we're not going to give up and we're not going to quit. Amen. We're not going to be a trophy. We're not going to be that one that others point to and say, look at that one. They once had a testimony and they claim to know the Lord, but look at them now. You know, as we look over the years, I've been here pastoring now for uh, over 20 years, and I've seen a lot of them come. I've seen a lot of them go. And what I mean by that, I I've seen some come and, and get in, and they were born again. I believe really born again. Some baptized in the Holy Ghost, but for different and various reasons. Amen. They're not here tonight. They're not sitting in anybody else's church, and they're not attending anywhere. They're backslid. They've gone back, as the Bible says, as a hog to the mud or a dog back to his own vomit. They're backslid. They, all of them have some kind of a reason, and most of those reasons have to do with blaming circumstances or blaming maybe even brothers and sisters in the church or whatever their reason might be. It's every seeming reason you can conjure up or imagine in your mind except the one that's the real reason, and it is that they just made up or come to a place. They just got ready to quit. Amen. They just quit. And so tonight, before I go on any further to somebody here who's facing a difficult, but maybe even beyond a difficult situation, something that seems impossible, let me just say to you tonight, don't quit. Make up your mind. No matter what happens, I'm not going to give in. So don't quit. Don't give up. 
Amen. Don't stop praying, even though praying isn't always easy. Always find a time to get along with God. Amen. You say, preacher, I can't put words together when I try to pray. My mind is so confused and I'm just so overwhelmed. Well, uh, welcome to the club. I've been there not one time or two times or a few times, but many times over the years. And I've found out that when I can't say anything, it doesn't stop God from talking. Somebody say amen. And I found out that sometimes when I can't say anything, that that has often been the best thing when I just sit quietly before God and just meditate upon Him. And I allow Him to speak to my heart. And I'm glad tonight for every time that no matter how difficult the situation got, no matter what I knew or did not know or could not understand, there was always a secret place, amen, under the shadow of the Almighty, a place to abide, a place in His presence to where He could sustain and He could bless. And that is for every child of God in this house tonight. I can promise you if you don't give up on God, amen, God will not give up on you so keep praying amen and keep praising and keep on believing the Lord and we also learn that most of the time in the hour when we're the most tempted to quit and to give in that it's just beyond that place that the miracle takes place or the answer comes so for somebody here tonight let me give you this word of hope in spite of all that you see that says something else to the contrary. You're most likely closer to a breakthrough and you're most likely closer to a miracle than you could possibly imagine. Amen. If you just make up your mind, I'm going to get up in the morning. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to bed saved. I'm going to wake up saved. I'm going to stay saved and I'm going to walk with God another day. Amen. Because it may be just another day. Amen. That's standing or that makes a difference between you and that touch of God and that breakthrough and that miracle. Amen. That you need and that you desire. Amen. And so we see all this come together in this story of Lazarus and we identify ourselves in this, in, in that uh, there's an impossible situation as far as they can tell or understand. Now this story also shows us that for reasons that, that God knows that sometimes he delays. He delays in answering our prayers. Now we might ask, why is that? Well, if you study scripture, you understand that sometimes things have to go a certain way for God to receive the glory and the honor. But, but I want to deal with something tonight, two things. I, I want to deal with this generation. I want to deal with the church in our time. I want to deal with the Lazarus generation. I want to deal with the time in our nation. Amen. Where many, the naysayers and the doomsday preachers, 
point a finger across this great land and they say there's no hope. America is forever lost. They would even go so far as to say with a worldwide view in mind that the days of revival have passed. Amen. And some might would say that there's no hope for the church. I'm talking about the church in our time. I would remind you tonight that it is not over until God says it's over. Let me say tonight, I have not given up on this generation. And I've not given up on our nation. And I can tell you revival is happening around the world in places where people seek the face of God. And God is pouring his spirit out. And I tell you, God still has a church. Amen. Some can give in to the night if they so choose. Some can look at this generation and declare no hope. They can look at the church and declare no hope. They can look at the world and declare it's all going to hell. But I serve a God who the Bible says that his mercy comes new every morning and it endureth to every generation. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. It's God a merciful God. Amen. Is his mercy available to us in our time? Of course it is. I would remind you tonight of another little theme that seems to be running along messages that I've preached over the last little while. Amen. And that is that message of hopelessness. Amen. That message that addresses that feeling of a hopelessness. You always have to have a hope. Without hope, your existence has no meaning and your service has no meaning. But I have hope because I have faith in God. And those two things always go hand in hand. If I have faith in God, then I can have a hope. And if I have hope, then I have meaning. I've still got a church to pastor. Amen. I've still got a message to preach. I've still got a world to reach with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm reminded of that every time I read a story like the story of John chapter 11 when Jesus walked into the midst of what looked like an impossible situation. Amen. And brought a dead man out of a tomb who had been dead for four days. It ain't over until he says it's over. So let's look tonight at this generation. Now for many years, scholars have used this scripture to refer to our time as the Lazarus generation because Lazarus represents that hopeless cause, an irreversible situation, and a condition that's beyond repair. That which is gone beyond the hope of no return and that which from all natural evidence is dead and buried. And that's what it meant when they rolled the stone across the door of the tomb. It meant it's over. It's past. It's already been decided. It is what it is and it's never going to change. But the whole message of Lazarus is one of redemption, of resurrection, of healing, wholeness, and deliverance. For the Bible tells us that in the midst of all of this hopelessness, 
grief and impossibility that at the voice of Jesus everything changed when Jesus spoke at the tomb of Lazarus the Bible tells us that Lazarus rose from the dead and the end became a new beginning and where death had reigned life begins again isn't it amazing tonight to you if you look back over your life at the times the devil tried to convince you it's over it's done there's no hope the time for any kind of a difference to be made has already passed but you held on amen you prayed on you said one more hallelujah you said one more praise God hallelujah you continue to make preparations for an answer that has yet to come amen but then all of a sudden when it seemed like it was the darkest you decided to hold on and God moved for you and turned everything around hallelujah if there's one thing I know from a personal experience amen that no dead ends with God unless God puts a dead end there and says it's over. You don't put a period at the sentence until God says it's over. God has a way of getting right in the middle of an impossibility. Hallelujah. And working a miracle. Giving a breakthrough. Pouring out revival. If you believe it, say amen in this house tonight. And, and that is the message to I believe or to what is called the Lazarus generation, the time in which we live. That message is God isn't finished yet and all is not lost because at the sound of his voice it still holds true tonight. When Jesus speaks the dead are raised. So let's look tonight in our generation. Is there any hope? Amen. Is there a cause? And the answer to that is yes. I believe with all of my heart that our generation is not unreachable. And I believe with all my heart tonight that our generation is not beyond a hope. But I also know that the answer is not in religion. It's not in philosophy. It's not in science or traditions of men. It's not in new ideas. Amen. This generation must hear the voice of the Lord. And for this generation to hear that voice, there has to be a body. The body of Christ has to exist in its proper form and in its proper function. You see, you and I have the message of life and when we declare this message of life that is the voice of the Lord speaking through the body to a generation that's lost hope for the most part in every other thing that they have tried that they have heard and that has been offered to them and that has failed you know what I believe tonight I believe you and I are sitting in a prime place and it's prime time to have a Holy Ghost revival. I have experienced, I have seen that it's usually in that time when voices express, uh, expressed have gone beyond concern as if to say, I'm worried about the way things are going. 
I'm worried about the state of the church. I'm worried about the state of our nation. And I'm worried about the condition this world is in. Amen. That's not such a bad thing to be concerned where we're legitimately concerned about things that are not as they should be. Oh, but what I'm seeing more and more and what I'm hearing more and more is, 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 is expressed beyond the concern and it's walked off into that area and that arena of hopelessness to look around and say, amen, watch the use. You look through the word of God and it's usually during those watch the use situations that God shows up. Amen. Because when you come to that place that you know there's nothing that any man can do except look to him that God shows up. And when God shows up, amen, God gets praised. What did Jesus say? He said when you see these things start taking place, coming to pass, when it looks like everything is over, he said look up, lift up your head, redemption's drawing nigh. Now I'm looking for Jesus to come tonight. Amen, I'm waiting for the Lord to come. I'm listening for the sound. I'm looking for Jesus to appear in the clouds. But at the same time, while I'm here, I've not lost hope of a Holy Ghost revival. I believe Jesus is about to step up to the mouth of a dark cave that represents hopelessness and shout out to a church, amen, come forth. And that that many have given up on is going to take another breath, going to shut up and walk out of the darkness into the presence of the Son of God. Hallelujah. Now, you don't give up. You let Jesus have his say. Amen. It's not so much what we think, amen, or what we feel. It's what he has to say about the matter. John chapter 5 and verse 25. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Oh, this clock is getting by me tonight. And the sad thing today is that there are not many places where the voice is being heard. We're hearing a lot of voices in our time, a lot of strange doctrines, all kinds of self-help gurus, uh, uh, you know, gracisms, teachers, and, and life coaches, and not many real gospel preachers in our time. And so because of that, we're not hearing very much pure, simple, undiluted, unadulterated gospel preaching much anymore. Now, there are exceptions, I can tell you, but for the most part, amen, but we've got to get back to that message that works because it works. Amen. And that is the message. Jesus is the word, the Bible said. It said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And the Word became flesh, the Bible said, and dwelt among us. We know that that Word is Christ. And so when Christ is preached, amen, when the gospel is preached, that is his voice speaking through preachers and speaking through the church. And when the dead hear that voice, 
Thank God the Bible said they're going to live. You've heard me say it a lot of times. If you don't have a song to sing, preach the gospel. If you don't have an illustration to give, preach the gospel. If you don't have a story to tell to go with your sermon, I listen to a good man give good advice to a a week ago, a good man, he said, stories help you when you're preaching sermons. And they do. He said, find you a story that goes with your sermons and that connects people to what you're saying because it identifies, and it does. But what if you don't have a story? Amen. Preach John 3.16 and let it stand. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life amen preach about Jesus tell them he was promised by God he was prophesied by the prophets he was born of a virgin conceived of the Holy Ghost he lived a sinless life died a sacrificial death on an old rugged cross on a hill called Golgotha was placed in a borrowed tomb and on the third day he got up from the tomb he appeared to more than 500 and he ascended in the presence of some of the disciples and the angels in a crowd into the presence of the Lord where he sat down at the right hand of God hallelujah and tell him on the day of Pentecost he sent the Holy Ghost to empower a church to preach that message and to tell his story until he comes again you can preach that anywhere in this world and the Holy Ghost will anoint what you say and Holy Ghost conviction will grip somebody's heart that's dead in their sin and when they hear that message of life thank God they're going to come alive hallelujah because when Lazarus hears the voice of the Lord, Lazarus is going to live. I believe when this Lazarus generation hears the voice of Jesus proper, amen, many are going to rise from the dead. I'm going to tell you something, folks. They might rise from the dead with green hair, tattooed and pierced bodies. They might rise from the dead out of a crack house or a drug den. And they might even rise from the dead. Not sure whether they're male or whether they are female. But wherever they are, let this message of life reach them and let them come to a place of making a decision. Every man has the right to make a decision just the same as you and I. We teach our kids the song when they're little. Jesus loves the little children. Amen. Most kids can sing that song. And it says red, yellow, black, and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves that man out there that's dead in the trespass of his sin. Hallelujah. You, you can look back at your own life.
to a time and their testimonies of people that I've pastored and maybe a few here, maybe on a Sunday morning. I've heard from people out there. They've made statements like, I would never have believed that that person could ever be saved. They were a hopeless case, a hopeless cause. Yet I have seen those same kinds of people that were saved out of, of what was perceived to be hopelessness. And not necessarily anybody here tonight or on a Sunday morning turned their nose up. Amen. At what Brother Johnny pastors every Friday in downtown Jacksonville. I may never get to the Lazarus Church, amen, that I remember years ago. Amen, Brother Johnny, way back on, way back in the day. And I, I would say to Brother Johnny at times, when, when I was preaching downtown Jacksonville, this is what I would do, and this is what I would try, this is what worked, and he listened to me for a long time. Until one time he said, Rev, you realize that's been a long time ago? Amen, it's different down there now than it used to be. Amen. So he's been faithful there for nine years, preaching to people that, that others might even turn their nose up at or get a little nervous when they come around. And I'm sure working on a way to get them to come around a little more and some other things that I want to I want to bring to you is going to break with some of our traditions. Amen. Because we're going to have to reach out and reach people not only around this world, but in our own community. You listen to me. It would be so hypocritical for me to spend what I spend and you to pray for me to go the places that I go and for many of you to go where you go to preach to people and even worship with some that don't look just like you look or act just like you act amen and then come back here or say there how you felt the Holy Ghost how you experienced Holy Ghost conviction and how the worst of the worst got saved but not be willing to do little things here to, to come up with a strategy to reach our community. I want to tell you, amen, we better love our community the way Jesus loves our community. Come on, say amen. And so I, I was praying. I said, oh God, I, I want to see in my church what we're seeing around the world. And the Lord said, when your church sees the community like you see the world, you'll see in your church what you see around the world. My God, somebody here, what I'm telling you here tonight, let's learn to see them like Jesus does. And let's be willing to get a little uncomfortable if we must and if it's necessary. And let's be willing to move out of our comfort zone and from our, yeah, from our convenience to the inconvenient to reach a man who will die lost and go to hell if we don't give him a God. Gospel. But we can't just give him a gospel. We got to open our arms. You hear me? We got to open the doors of this church. Oh, God, help me. Help me go on here. No, let me stay right here. Hallelujah. And I prayed. I said, God, now if I start, you know, instituting certain strategies in the church, and some come in the church and they don't, they don't have the dress code. Oh, God, help me here tonight. They don't have the dress code that, that everybody else might feel like they would have. And uh, some are not going to be very comfortable with that. 
And sometimes when you're talking to God and you're kind of thinking out loud and you ask certain questions, you come to understand that God already put something in here to let you know you have the answer. So you kind of answer your own questions. Is that right? Amen. I've found out in all reality that there are a few questions that I can ask and get very real answers uh, before God ever has to talk. And that's what's wrong and what's wrong with me and what can I do about it in just a little while. Amen. It's as clear as, as a bell. Hallelujah. So I'm praying, God, what, what would happen? What would happen if some walked in the church and sit down? I know because I've seen it happen. Amen. I've seen good people looking around it and see a ring. Oh, God. Or a pair of shorts. Or, or they would see something that they would not do and cannot do that God has dealt with them about it. And they would look at them and say well that's not right that's improper and some would even get up and preach or teach and feel obligated to say something about that or stand up and testify and mention that in a testimony just so they know that they're not about to come in here and change this church it's not the appearance that needs a change it's a heart and a mind that is so scared of something that's not what it is amen evidently it must feel a little bit threatened come on here say amen someone was here not long ago the next day somebody called me on the phone on a Monday amen had this happen twice in the in the last month and they said what about so and so yes I said yes I said they wear jewelry and yes a man wears a wedding band but I said they've got every right to get in this church and worship in this atmosphere and let God deal with their heart come on somebody say amen I remember when Brother David first came here. I'll never get to the church. When Brother David first came here, amen. Brother David Deacons, and, and, and what a man of God he is. Amen. When Brother David first got here, he came to church. He carried that. He, he had a round place in his, in his blue jeans back here where that, that can of skull or whatever you call some of that other stuff that, that comes out of a round can, tobacco. They said, what are we going to do about that? It wasn't just the, the mark of it. It was the can was there. And they said, what are we going to do about that? I said, we ain't going to do nothing. What do you mean we ain't going to do nothing? I said, number one, they're not joining the church. Amen. The man's coming to church and we're going to let Jesus do the same thing to him and with him that he's still doing with me and that's working on me. Come on here. Somebody say amen. Oh my. May as well just go ahead and bail off in this. What about it if they walk up to the choir? Amen. Would Brother Johnny be willing to go to somebody up here who, who sings with him every Friday? Come on somebody say amen. Who gets out there and sings with him on the street and he worships with them and, and he raises his hands and he says praise the Lord with them and they worship God and the Holy Ghost moves and, and the atmosphere is changed and, and they walk up in a choir well, does he want me to go to them or should I send him to them and say you can't stand up in that choir dressed like that. I'm talking about people that don't know. I'm talking about people that don't understand some things because they've not been exposed to some things. We can't cannot fear exposure. You hear what I'm saying? Well, I see it on some of your faces. Oh God, maybe it's time for a, maybe a pastoral change. I don't know. Because we sure ain't going to go worldly. Amen. You ain't going to go worldly unless you're worldly. Come
Come on here, say amen. You cannot be scared or afraid of everything that is not you. So I want to remind you here, Jesus died for every man, no matter what his state, no matter where he comes from, no matter what he's done or what he's doing, Jesus died for him. And when he saves him, he's going to put him in a family. Hallelujah. Oh, hush. See there? There we go. And so what do you do? So what do you do when you set Muslims free in Pakistan along with Christians because we make no stipulations? And those Muslims come out of that, that brick kiln and away from that owner and we give them money to sustain a life and find a job. And we have a system there where the church opens up and absorbs them and wraps them up, not after they're converted, when they come out. And so the church there exposes itself to the worst possible danger by embracing its worst possible threat. Think about that. And some, I, right here, I pray not, but I'm afraid it is, are afraid of someone who might walk in this church that has no threat whatsoever against what we ought to be firmly established in. Come on here, somebody say amen to me. This generation's in trouble. This world is in trouble. Our community, I can walk you two blocks away from this church and put you in a place, amen, where people sell their bodies for drugs. You hear what I'm telling you? Amen. They walk in this house. We have to be cautious. We have to look at them carefully because we want to protect, uh, we want to protect especially in this terrible, terrible, wicked age. Amen. You don't know when somebody's going to walk into a church and open fire or, or suppose someone like that comes in and they do like one, one did in the church I pastored and he came in and sat on the back row and he sat down by the person that brought him to church and reached into the man's wife's purse and stole her wallet. Amen. Stole her wallet. And when she got home, she looked in her, in her purse and her wallet was gone. Said he got my credit cards and he, he got my cash and he got my checkbook and the cash that was in there. I had to pay a bill with that cash money. And somebody said, don't ever let him come back. I said, why not? Amen. He needs to come back. My God, he's a thief. He does what thieves do. How many know what thieves do? Thieves steal. Amen. Why are they a thief? It's because they're lost. Amen. And they're in sin. Christians don't steal other people's money and lift other people's wallets. But are we going to hang a sign out there and say, no thieves allowed? Well, if we do that, then we've cut off a whole world of sinners right then and there. I said, go get him again. I'll have a talk to him and I'll tell him, don't you ever steal any thing from anybody in this church again and it wasn't long he'd walk down that aisle and knelt in our altars and gave his young black heart to the Lord do you hear what I'm telling you tonight amen we've got to make sure that everything here is all right that we're ready that we're established and we've got to look beyond these walls and understand 
that this Lazarus generation is only without hope if there's not a voice of Jesus to cry out to them in the darkness of that cave and call them forth. McClinney Church of God, oh my, hear me tonight. Whether we be many or whether we be few, let's be the body of Christ. Let's be the voice of Jesus. Let us shout out to our community, come forth. Let us shout out across this nation, come forth. Let's shout out all over this world, come forth. When they hear that voice, they're going to come alive. Hallelujah. Musicians, you can come and help me close. I'll get the rest of it Sunday night. We have a special speaker preaching Sunday morning. You're not going to want to miss that. Amen for Mother's Day. But the Lord's been dealing with me about our generation and those that are within our reach. So you got to go downtown, Brother Johnny, and we're thankful for what he does. Everybody knows what he and Sister Shannon are doing in downtown Jacksonville. They know it's part of our church, but it can't just be Brother Johnny. That doesn't mean that the whole church has to go there every Friday and be a part of that. But around you and in your area of influence, friends, relatives, neighbors, people that you know, you can start an outreach from right here. Just by telling somebody. You can set up a ministry. You have people over at your house that ain't going to come to church yet. And say, hey man, we're going to have some fellowship. We're going to do some things at our house Friday night. And we want you to come. And I found out, and this bothers me. And it's not, it's not our fault. But sometimes people walk in our church, and I've heard them say, well, oh man, I was the only one that, or my wife was the only one that didn't have on a dress. And we can't be scared to say, that don't matter. Well, amen. You say, but well, what about our church? What about our church? Because there's some here tonight, me included. What I wore was not my biggest problem, not by a long shot. It's what I did that I still hope my children don't hear about. But I did what I did because that's what I was. A sinner is a sinner. And that's just the way it is. And every sinner has to be welcome to come here. But what about, what about like we said, our family downtown? They're faithful. Brother Johnny has been pastoring a church. That's a, that's a, that's a church is what that is. And he's been pastoring there for nine years. The heat, the cold, the rain. He's been there for nine years, and there are those that are faithful that are a part 
of that church downtown. They sing with them. They worship with them. They're faithful in attendance. He's seen people's lives change. But not all of them shop where you shop. And all, all of them, not all of them have known what we've known. What I'm telling you is, if there's a hope for this generation, it's sitting in this house tonight. And you can't look at them and discriminate for things that don't matter near as much as their soul. And so, as you're standing with me here tonight, when Lazarus came out of that tomb, he was a sight to behold. He heard the voice of the Lord. This will preach about five different ways. He heard the voice of the Lord. He came back to life. And he came out of that tomb, but he didn't look like the rest of the crowd. He's still bound. I've heard people say that man in that altar right there that prayed Sunday. I saw him Wednesday, and he was doing this and that, and he was doing. Now, yes, there are things God's going to deal with your heart, and you're going to be born again, and you're going to quit sinning. But some people have no idea. I've met them that didn't know at all that some things they were doing were sin. They may have felt bad, and they didn't really understand why. They had to learn. They had to be discipled. They had to be delivered from certain things that the enemy had control over in their lives. Well, I, I don't believe that at all. What are you going to say about that attitude you get sometimes? And I've heard some of you say, I've had this since I was a child. I mean, my God, if there's one thing I've wrestled with for 50 years, it's been a touch of temper. And yes, I could probably say there's sometimes I've been just as well off smoke a cigarette. Because I've had to apologize to God and ask God to forgive me. And I've had to go to people and ask people to forgive me. Now, I'm not going back to anything the Lord brought me out of. I'm not taking one step backward and going to anything that the Lord has brought me through and that the Lord has taught me that cannot be a part of this. But I'm not going to X somebody out because they don't know what I know. Or they don't adhere to certain things that people might label as this is what a Christian because I've been pastoring and I've been in the ministry long enough to know there's things that I deal with regularly around this world and sometimes right here that's far far worse and more detrimental than some of the things that some saints are afraid of amen and so is there hope for this generation, there is, if they can hear the voice of the Lord with the same love and the same compassion that Jesus showed at the tomb of Lazarus. The Bible said Jesus wept, bothered him for his friend to be in that kind of a condition. And he said, I'm going to go wake him up. Let's wake him up, church. My God, we're waking him up all over the world. Let's wake him up at home you do that let's pray father as we come to you here tonight we thank you lord for the wonderful privilege that we have to be a part of the kingdom of god 
Father, I thank you for that day that you reached down and you found me in my sin. And you saved me. You washed me. Father, I thank you tonight for a good church that loves you and that loves people. Lord, that has prayed me gone and home again, safe and sound, back to my family. Father God, they've prayed Holy Ghost conviction down in places that I and others have preached all around this world. We've seen men and women saved and demons come out. We've seen people healed by the power of God. Ministers trained, churches planted. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would renew within us a burden for this community. Lord, we say we're called. We have ministries at home and we have reach outs at home and outreach here. But God, there's something greater that you're impressing upon my heart. You always seem to require more of us. Father, I always say, looking beyond the walls of this church and beyond the borders of this nation, how much more can we do? And you open doors and you send us and you supply. But God, I, I feel you dealing with me and our church in the same way at home. Push us, God. Spend us. Help us to be that voice. To call them out of addiction. To call them out of perversion. To call them out of sin. To see them as you see them. I pray, God, for a Holy Ghost revival of outreach through this church to reach more than we've ever reached with the gospel of Jesus tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to look at me just a moment before we come down and pray. I've seen the devil fight this church, attack this church, and I'm kind of natured in, a, in such a way. Sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes not so much. That if I feel the pressure and feel the heat of it, I tend to push a little harder, go a little further. But we've lost some. I'm not talking about church members. I'm talking about people that we've seen saved and praying our altars. They're gone lately, this last year, not here. One of us is a young man who's in a cemetery tonight. That bothers me. The question I keep asking myself is, what more could I have done? What more could we have done? And the easy answer from some would be, ah, I just, it is, I don't know what we could have done. Well, why don't we know? And what effort have we put in to see to it that that doesn't happen to another? How did that one slip through our fingers? And I've been asking those questions and I've been getting answers. It's not so much that I've had an epiphany. It's not that. It's I'm seeing reality. And even when I prayed, we're going to come and pray. I've said, Lord, I want to see increase in our church. Our Wednesday night attendance is good tonight. It was, it was good last Wednesday night for the crowd we're running on Sunday. Lord, I want to see increase. Well, the question comes, what kind of increase do you want to see? Well, that usually translates into 
someone from somewhere else who don't like what's going on or they get upset and they come in groups. I've seen that happen. And we've got good people that have come from other churches. I don't, please, don't, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But that's not the focus of ministry. Somebody's sitting in a dead church and they're listening on live stream tonight and your church don't love God enough to do missions, don't get up and walk out of your church. Run out of it and come here. We'll put you to work. We'll reach a world with the gospel. The church knows it and won't do it. They're dead. They're in trouble with God. I don't care if they shout every Sunday and speak in tongues what they look like. They're in trouble. But I'm not targeting people from other people's churches. I do want to see increase. Dear God, I want to see them come in out of the darkness. Come in out of that world out there. Come in these altars and give their hearts and their lives to God. We'll see that when we exhaust ourselves, making every effort to reach them with the gospel. Did you know I'm tired tonight? We're going to come pray, but you know I'm tired. I'm tired every day. I, I told my wife, I said, I don't, I don't, I don't, I feel, she said, to she said, you look bad. I said, do it now. She said, yeah, you look bad. You look run down. I said, I don't, I don't, I don't feel bad. I, are you sick? I said, no, I don't think I'm sick. Well, I'm a little tired. It's because I'm busy. And if I'm not physically busy, I'm head busy, mind busy, spirit busy. This thing's 24-7. It don't stop. You realize when we're sleeping here, somebody's awake somewhere else, and there's things that's got to be done. So you, you deal with things when it's time to deal with things, and that's not a complaint. I love it. But if I can, my wife said it about a month or so back. She said, if we're going to, she said like this, she said, if we're going to do it out there, mister, we're going to do it here. Who's on board tonight? All right. Would you open up your house? Would you open up your den? Would you be willing to find a place to pull some people together that might not come here but you could reach and just deal with them one-on-one? -on -one? Sit down two seconds, just two seconds, and you can get right back up, I promise. Give me three seconds. Okay, give me five minutes. Just, just. We're going to pray. One of our evangelism directors, oh, Lord, it's so early. One of our evangelism directors messaged me the other day. You can play, baby. And he said, he said, Bishop, I don't mean to bother you. He said, but we've recently, and it's Brother Kimiel Gardner, Evangelism Director for Turks and Caicos. My, what a man of God he is. Proactive. I mean, he is, he's in a tent on a street corner, in a yard, anywhere and everywhere, there's a pulpit. As far, he is the, he, as, far as that goes, he, everywhere's a church for him. A grocery store, it doesn't matter. But he said, recently I've had, I think he said, three new converts in one of our campaigns. And this guy goes out and, and he's like Brother Orlando Vasquez in, in Guyana. I think Orlando's going to baptize everything in Guyana. Has a baptismal service just about every Saturday. He tags me in the post and he sends pictures to me. He's winning people and as soon as he gets some one to the Lord, he runs them out somewhere and baptizes them in water. Head and all. I'm telling you, they get wet. He does it right. Every, every week he does that. Out there, not in the church. That's out there somewhere. Brother Prasad just lets him go. Go get him. Brother Gardner said, Evangelist Director Gardner said, Bishop, I don't mean to bother you, but we've had three new converts saved. He said, should I just wait till we get a group and then start a discipleship process and 
fellowship with them and should, or should I just let them or should I just deal with those three? I said, brother, your time is never wasted on a few. Do in them what can be done with them just like they are, as they are with just those few. And then as you add others to them, these few will be an inspiration and a help and a light to others. It's not about the numbers. It really isn't. I heard somebody get up and say, well, you say it's not about the numbers, but it's not about the numbers. Never has been, never will be. It is about the souls. If you see a soul as a number, you've messed up already. If you see a soul as a soul, God gives increase. That's the difference. So church, let's come around tonight and let's pray in this altar and pray, God, help us reach what looks like 